Father, as we continue in our series at looking at these saints of old, help us to see our own lives within theirs, and by your Holy Spirit, teach us and encourage us and draw us closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. So I read an interesting account this week from a blog of a teacher. Her name is Jessica, and she was describing something that happened in her classroom. They, this is an elementary classroom. They were studying the feet of sticky frogs and the ways that scientists were studying that to make adhesives. And she was thinking to herself as she was going through the lesson, I've got to get these kids to understand the main point of this because tomorrow is a test. And in the midst of that, one of the kids raised his hands and said, I want to know more about the sticky feet. And she went, we don't have time for that right now. And stopped herself. And realized in that moment that all the wonder the imagination that these young kids had was getting lost in her just trying to get to the point. And and, and she said in this blog article that it's important that they get the point, but not at the expense of the wonder they were experiencing in that moment. Wonder. That is what we're talking about this morning. The wonder that we see in the faith of Mary. And it's a wonder that I, number one, I don't think we think enough about wonder and imagination and how that attaches to or influences our faith. But in the case of Mary, it is her sense of wonder that brings her through this entire account in a way that is very different from Zechariah last week. I encourage you to open your Bible, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, it's on page 1457 if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 1, page 1457. And what I want to begin by doing is just introducing Mary. I want to give you the little bit that we know about her before we dive into her faith, because it's part of her faith. Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, let me just introduce Mary. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so he's just setting kind of where we are in the historical record, we had Elizabeth's story and Zachariah's story last week. Well, six months into that is when this takes place. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, Uh, There's two important things there. Number one, God sent the angel to this place. Mary is chosen for this. And we'll get more references to that idea as we go through the account. But this is not random. This is not accidental. God's making a choice. And the choice is to somebody in Nazareth, a small village 
Um, it was thought for the longest time there may be no more than 100 people in this village, and that may still be the case. Recently, as of 2020, there's been some more archaeological digging, and it might have been larger than that, but this is not a giant place. And it is a place that another person in Scripture will say, what good could come from Nazareth? Um, nobody likes Nazareth. So he's sending an angel, a named angel, to this place that is not respected, that nobody thinks anything good can come out of. Keep going. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Two things again out of that. Number one, this person is betrothed. And that means far more in this culture than it might mean in our culture. This is not just you ask someone to marry you, you give them an engagement ring, and it might or might not happen. This is as close to actual marriage as you can get. Once you are betrothed, you have to get divorced in order to break it off, which is why Joseph, and in the account in Matthew, actually contemplates divorcing her quietly. So this is a serious commitment they are in. And then she's described as a virgin. She would be as young as 12 in this culture. This is a kid. And that's important for the story. So she's engaged or betrothed. She is very likely young. Um, Joseph is a descendant of David. So much like we got in the previous account where we learned something of their heritage, this guy's in the right lineage. The virgin's name was Mary. All right, this is something I find fascinating. Um, Mary is one of the most common names in Scripture. So when we had our children, and those of you that know our children's names, Kira, Keenan, Killian, Kelton, um, none of them are normal names. Our goal in doing this was we didn't want something way, way out there, but we wanted something that not lots of people would have, something unique to our kids. Mary's name is the least unique you can get, other than, catch this, so there are either six or seven Marys in Scripture. There are more Josephs and more Simons. Three of the key people, Mary, Joseph, and then Simon Peter. They're the most common names in Scripture. Nothing stands out. These are regular, everyday, average people that God sends this angel to. Her name is Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So he makes this greeting to her. And there's something about this greeting that is always emphasized, I feel like, in everything that I read. She is highly favored, which means God has specifically chosen to favor her, and it has nothing to do with her. It's all about God's grace. And I don't buy that. Here's why. I do not think that how we live will ever obligate God to do anything. However, I want you to think about the people that God chooses. David had a heart unlike anybody else. 
Even, let me just pick one guy that you think, oh, not him. The Apostle Paul. I mean, talk about a bad dude. He's persecuting Christians. And yet, why is he doing it? Because he has a zealous kind of faith that he'll stop at nothing to honor Yahweh. There is something about these people's faith that at least makes them open to what God wants to do. And so, yes, God chooses Mary. And this is God's grace, and she is favored because he comes to her. However, there is something about her faith that is making her open that I think we can learn from. Here's where it starts. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And I need to stop there to give you my first point. That translation in the NIV is not the best translation. It says greatly troubled, which makes it sound almost like she's freaking out. The word means confused. And the next word means to ponder or to think through something that you want to know more about. You need more information. Her response is not the response you get from most people. When Zechariah has an angel show up, he is terrified because this majestic, glowing, angelic figure has shown up. When this figure shows up to Mary, she is confused, and we might speculate partly because she's from Nazareth, she's a little kid, she she doesn't have much going for her, why is an angel coming to her? And she begins to ponder, she begins to think about, why is this happening? Her response is something other than fear, which is what you see in all of the adults when an angel shows up. She sees something else. And I would argue, based especially on what happens next, it is part of the wonder that is in her faith. That wonder lets her see something that you don't see without it. Without it, Zachariah sees this being that probably can only be there because he's in trouble. How many of us, when you hear, when your boss calls you, what is your first thought? Yeah, (laughs) you're in trouble, right? I know my own kids. I have to be careful when I yell their name because I'm in a different floor. Because depending on how it comes across, it's going to sound like you're in trouble. That's what Zachariah was thinking too. Mary's not. There's something about the wonder in her faith that is letting her look at the scene that so many others see and see something else in it. Um, Look at this picture here. Um, So I was doing a lot of research on wonder. And I came across another blog article from a mom. This is a picture from her young son. He painted this in class. And he did what, what kids always do with their parents. He gave it to his mom and he said, Mom, this is for you, with no explanation. <laughs> and then she is looking at it and she's going, uh, uh, not wanting to like hurt his feelings. And she said, uh, it's, uh, it's a volcano. 
I mean, that, see the volcano, everyone? And he goes, yeah, and what else? And here's what's interesting. So I'm going to tell you what else, because he told her what else. What else is, if you look at the right side, that is the dragon's head, and then you see the body, the hump, and then the tail, and then the legs coming down on the sides. It's a dragon. And, and here was the interesting part. Apparently within the class, multiple kids knew exactly what that was. <laughs> None of the adults had a clue <laughs> until it was pointed out. But that's how kids draw, right? Even the little thin body of the dread, that's how kids draw. The kids could see something that the adults could not. There is a wonder and an imagination in kids that it seems like over time, adults begin to lose. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. Go ahead and go to the next screen. But I want to show you something about her response. Go back into the text. <laughs> so this is complete speculation. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. I think the angel said that on autopilot. Because the angel has to say that to everybody. There's nobody he shows up to that isn't, don't be afraid. Because they're all like, ah! And so he says it, and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> she doesn't look like everyone else. <laughs> I just said those words because that's what I say. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That is a description of Messiah. And Mary would know that. Later on, when you read Mary's song, boy, does she know the Old Testament. She would know this. This is the long-promised one. Everything about him. He's the descendant. The kingdom will never end. He's going to be like David, but greater. I mean, all of these promises. Mary, you are going to have this child. What an incredible thing for her to absorb in this moment. And here's what happens, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Here's what's so fascinating. That is not much different than Zachariah's response. How will this be, since I am so old and past childbearing? And yet, for Zachariah, the angel, and again, speculation, the angel stands up to his full height and says, how dare you? I am sent from God. You will now be silent until this takes place. That doesn't happen with Mary. Look at what happens to Mary. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God can fail. Instead, he answers the question, there's no judgment. There's no, like, how dare you? There's nothing. Why? Because those questions were asked in two very different ways. Zacharias is a question of doubt. How can this even happen? Because what we know from his story is it looks like he's already given up. But not Mary. Mary's question is not one of, how can this possibly happen? So much as, 
wow, how can this happen? I can't wait for you to, like, I want to understand this. Much like her initial response, a confusion of, whoa, why have you come to me? I can't wait to figure this out. Now it's a, how can this happen? Like, I'm a virgin. Tell me more. That only comes when there is wonder. So we see this multiple times in Scripture. Um, Maybe one of the most famous ones is David in Psalm 8, when he's looking up at the heavens. And he's like, wow, how are you even mindful of man? I just see the amazing expanse of the stars that you would even consider us. That's a moment of awe and wonder. You see it a number of times throughout the New Testament in the ministry of Jesus. The crowds at one point, they are in awe and wonder of his teaching and his power. And they were like, whoa. Like they just want him to come with them. The disciples, the same thing happens. There's a point where Jesus stills the the, the winds and the storm and they're like, whoa. Just wonder and amazement. There's even a moment where Jesus has it. Because a Roman centurion comes to him and he wants healing. And Jesus says, I'll come back with you. And the centurion goes, you don't even have to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus goes, wow. He is literally, the text says, Jesus is amazed at this man's faith. But there's this sense of wonder going through the text. That should be in our faith. Imagination. Thinking that the impossible is real. I asked my children if they would share a few stories with me of when they were younger. Because I remember some of them and not all of them about things that were fantastical. Things that were wonder and awe and like imagination. And one of my sons said that when he was younger, one day we were driving along and he asked me, could I make the car pop a wheelie? And I'm like, what? And he only told me later that one time when I was teaching him to ride a bike, I popped a wheelie on the bike, and so he figured I could do it in the car too. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) We do the elves, you know, the elf on the shelf. We move them around all the time, and when our kids are younger, we told our kids, you can't touch the elves. Because if you touch the elves, their magic will go away. And... One of my boys said when he was younger one time, he touched one of the elves in accident. And then he freaked out and he went to his room and he was very upset because he thought the elves were going to die (laughs) because he had touched them. My daughter told me, and I'd never heard this before until this story. (laughs) My daughter told me that she used to believe that our checkbook was a source of unending money that you could just write as many checks as you wanted for whatever amount that you wanted. And then, because she is very logical at times, she thought, boy, that checkbook must cost a whole lot of money to get. But you could just write a check to get the checkbook, and you could get it. Again, these, like, fantastical things. My son asked me the other day if we should teach our five-year-old about Santa, that he is real, that he comes down chimneys, and all the things that he does. Because even though he was past that, he wanted it for his five-year-old brother. Now, here's the thing. We need to grow up 
right? You can't keep believing that a checkbook will give you unending money. That would be a very bad thing for you. <laughs> it would turn out not well. Um, and yet, there's something to that belief in the impossible that we need in our faith, that we need with God. So Kira and I, we were sitting in the doctor's office. She had a well check. Nothing was wrong. And we're just sitting there waiting for them to come get us. And there's a fish tank. And we're sitting next to the fish tank. And um, Kira goes, Dad! She taps me on the shoulder. Look! That fish is dead! And I look over, and it's a big old fish tank. And there's this fish floating at the top on his side. Well, a few moments later, she goes, Dad! And she's really flipping out. Another fish has started chewing on that fish. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh! And I'm thinking, what about all these little kids? Like, there are so many little kids that are going to see one fish cannibalizing another fish. It's like a horror show of fish. I'm thinking, i got to stop this somehow. And I look over at my daughter. She's still staring at it. And I'm like, stop looking. She goes, I can't. <laughs> but when she first pointed out the fish on its side, she goes, Dad, look at that fish. And it's on its side, clear to the top. And I said, no, honey, he's just doing the side stroke. He's okay. <laughs> She's like, no, Dad, he's not. <laughs> when she was five, she would have believed me. Because I'm her father. And when you're five, your dad, your mom, they can do anything. We cannot lose that with our Heavenly Father. Because that wonder, those possibilities are still there. I mean, the fact that Mary is even contemplating that somehow as a virgin in Nazareth, not even married yet, she could give birth to Messiah? That is crazy. And yet, she has such trust and wonder that she's just, how will this be? And the angel tells her. And, and look at her response to this. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. No more questions, no more doubts, no more what ifs, but a I am the Lord's servant. And the two things in that that you need to hear. Number one, that is an identity statement. I am the Lord's servant. What an interesting response to what the angel just said. She states who she is. I'm the Lord's servant. Now, right now, I could ask you, tell me the various identities you have. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a priest. I'm a neighbor. There's so many things that I am. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Imagine if that were your first identity. Imagine what you said to yourself each day. You woke up and you said, I am the Lord's servant. That's how I want to live my life. That's how I want to see things. And the second part in that, and this is the key, and this is tied into wonder. It's how she understands Lord. When she says, I am the Lord's servant, she means someone who can do the impossible. 
When she refers to Lord, she's talking about the one who can have a girl who isn't married, doesn't have a husband, anything, and yet she can give birth to Messiah. That's the Lord she's the servant of. I think too often when we talk about him being Lord, we have a very diminished view of that. But hers is filled with all the wonder of impossibility. So that that Lord can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. She believes that. And how you define that is everything for how you live into it. There's a gentleman named Kevin Ford. In 2022, he had a celebration of 27 years working at Burger King. But here's the thing that made it huge. He never missed a day of work in 27 years. Every day he was there. Let me ask you, what's his view on being an employee? What does he understand that to be? And if you have any wonder about it, here's what happened. For his 27th anniversary, the company gave him a gift. It was a Starbucks tumbler and a bag of candy and then some other little candy thing. That was it. How do they view their employee? Well, that got posted. And one of his daughters saw it. And she thought, that is ridiculous. This man just put in 27 years and never missed a day. I can't imagine there's a single employee at Burger King who's ever done that. And this is what you give him? So she started a GoFundMe page. She basically wanted to raise enough money so that her dad could fly to her and see his grandkids. Well, she wanted somewhere around $200. It got up to $250,000. And then he flew to see his grandkids. And do you know what he did the next day? He flew back to go to work <laughs> because he was on shift. Because how does he view being an employee? <laughs> it's everything. It's how he understood this thing. How do you understand Jesus as Lord? Because saying you're his servant, it means whatever you understand that to be. And for Mary, all the wonder and the beauty and all of it was there. For her to go, I am the Lord's servant. You can do anything. And I believe that and step into it. And at all seasons, why not Christmas? To remember how beautiful and powerful and glorious and fantastical our faith is, our God is. Let me end with one little tiny story that is my favorite of all of the crazy things my kids, kids have done in this fantastical way. This one to me just like, this is the best. My daughter and I were taking a walk through the park. She's very young, four, five. We're holding hands, we're walking through the park. The clouds were low that day and they were beautiful. Just all these shapes. 
And as we were walking, I was pointing things out, and I was talking to her, and we were looking at all of these clouds. And at some point, she goes, Daddy, and I look down, and she says this, will you reach up and get a cloud for me? She was serious. <laughs> and man, did I want a really big ladder at that point. <laughs> you don't want to disappoint your daughter at that point. But there was no way I could grab a cloud as low as they were. But she thought I could have that kind of faith, a childlike faith. That's what Mary has. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done. Help us to have a greater amount of wonder, to grow in our wonder of your love for us, of your forgiveness, of your plan within our life. Lord, of all the things that you do that we take for granted, of all the things that have become commonplace to us, help us to find a greater wonder in those things that like Mary, we might say every day, I am the Lord's servant and see what you might do through us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.